0: Lord, I thank you that we can come before you this morning. Thank you that you are uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm so grateful that uh, we can come to you with all of our needs. And so I pray right now for Slava and for Alina and for their church plan in Belarus. Uh, There's so much political unrest happening right now, but we know that you are in control. We know that uh, you can help them through this situation. I pray that many people would come to know you during this time. I pray God that you would help them and uh, I want to pray this prayer Lord from from every moment holy for them and for us that my heart was ever strong O Lord my faith always firm and unwavering my thoughts unclouded my devotion sincere my vision clear that I would dwell in the state where my belief my confidence is rooted in you That I would and couldn't remain in those seasons where there are storms, that my faith would be stronger, proving your presence and your peace. But sometimes, God, that that isn't true. Sometimes our faith isn't strong. Sometimes when the storms come, it's really difficult to uh, maintain our faith in you. So I pray this morning that you give us strength as we're looking at that we should not fear when you are with us. I pray that that would be true in our hearts, that you would change us uh, from the inside out. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not fear, for I am with you. And that sounds good, right? In a season right now in our country where there's a lot of fear that's happening in our world. Do not fear, for I am with you. There are things that, that I'm afraid of, a, a few things. Um, I really enjoy traveling but the taking off in the plane, uh, that's that's, I don't like that uh, too much. And tight, enclosed spaces, I don't really like that either. But what do you guys think? Um, and he's running through a few of these right now. The, there's the top seven fears of flying, uh, fears uh, in America. One is flying. 60, I mean, 6% of people are afraid of flying so much they won't even get on a plane. The next fear is 8% of people are afraid of social situations. They just get so high anxiety that they don't uh, ever want to be a part of that. Uh, Next one, 10% of people, I think it's more than this, it's got to be more than 10% are afraid of heights. Anybody here afraid of heights? Okay, Uh, yeah, so I think it's more than 10%. They said it's 10%, uh, but I think it's more than that. Uh, Just above that, uh, about 15% of people are afraid of the dark, uh, darkness. Uh, I didn't know how to do a darkness slide without putting something on there, so there's that. Um, 30% are afraid of spiders. Anybody afraid of spiders? Oh, see, there's more people afraid of heights than spiders. Okay, uh, yeah, I don't really like spiders either. But um, and then at 68%, people are afraid of death, and um, I'm so thankful that we are in the hope business that. Uh, we realize that nobody's making out of here alive, but because of what our faith is in Jesus, we, we don't have to fear uh, death because he went on the cross for us. And then the number one fear that people have, more than dying, more than dying, 75% of people are afraid of public speaking. I guess I have great job security, right? None of, nobody wants to come up here and, and, and speak. Uh, that's, that always gets me that people are more afraid of being in front of people talking than dying. That's uh, crazy. Maybe uh, this morning if you want to write on your card what you're afraid of so we can pray for you. Or maybe if you're online you want to uh, write in a, a comment uh, so that we can be praying for you and the fears that you have. You know what the most common command in the Bible, the most used command in the entire Bible is? You know what it is? Oh, there you go. You got the theme here. It's do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. 365 times in Scripture. Isn't that interesting? One for every single day. Uh, Do not be afraid. And I think I used to look at that list of don't be anxious, don't fear. I used to feel guilty. I'm thinking, well, I'm a professional Christian. I'm a pastor, and I have fears and I have anxiety what's wrong with me but I think the reason why there's so many times in scripture is that God knows us God knows our hearts and and life is tough and life is difficult and and so he meets us where we're at reminding us to trust in him reminding us that he is with us we are in a broken sin scarred world aren't we I mean now probably more than ever in our lifetime we can look around in our country look on the news Look in our communities and we see all of this brokenness. From the virus to riots to people arguing about politics to tons of different crimes that are happening in our in our world. We live in a broken world. But scripture says that we need to, to take heart in him. Because in Proverbs 12 it says that the anxious heart is what? Let's see. Well, I'll give you a choice here this morning. Let's see how if you guys are on your game here this morning. Which one do you think this is? An anxious heart makes you happy? An anxious heart is awesome? Or an anxious heart weighs you down? What do you think? Okay, good job. That wasn't a real difficult test, was it? But an anxious heart weighs you down. That's what it says in Proverbs 12, 25. And so this morning, we want to look at God's word. And I believe this morning that for somebody here it's going to change you completely. God's Word is living and active. And you came here not to just gather with friends, although that's a fun part of gathering church, but you gather here to hear God's Word, the powerfulness of God's Word, and let it change your life. And I believe that some of you are feeling real fearful this morning. And I believe for some of you this morning, whether you're online or in person, it's going to really help you this morning. I believe that when we preach God's word and we see what God is doing uh, in uh, in our lives, that he is going to change us. I believe that some of you are going to be able to step out of your comfort zone and overcome some fears in your life that are preventing you from doing what God really wants you to do. I pray that God is going to do that in your life. And so this morning we're looking at Genesis chapter 26. And we see Isaac being told by the Lord to to not fear, to not be afraid, even though there's tons of things that are going on around him. We're going to go through the whole chapter and then we're going to apply it to our lives. We're going to read a few verses at a time and then we'll, we'll talk about it together and we'll apply God's word to our lives so that we can remember that we shouldn't fear because God is with us. First few verses here. This is after the birth of Jacob and Esau. and Now there's a famine in the land. "'Beside the earlier famine of Abraham's time, "'and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of Gerar. "'The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, "'Do not go down to Egypt. "'Live in the land where I tell you to live. "'Stay in this land for a while, "'and I'll be with you and will bless you. "'For you and your descendants, "'I will give all these lands "'and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. "'I will make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky "'and will give them these lands.'" and through your offspring all nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and required and kept my requirements my commands and decrees and my laws so Isaac stayed in Gerar Couple things here that are happening here. This is the first time that we see in Scripture that God goes to Isaac since the time that he was on on Mount Moriah about to be sacrificed. This is the first time that we see in Scripture that He's talking directly to him. God talking to talk to his father Abraham. He talked to Rebecca. And now he's talking to to Isaac, and we see here maybe a little um, point of conviction for, for Isaac because he notice it doesn't talk about Isaac's faith. It talks about his father's faith. It says because. Abraham obeyed me and kept my commandments, my, my requirements, my commandments, and my decrees, and my laws. So I will continue to bless you. Maybe God is trying to wake up Isaac here. We don't have a, a full picture about what Isaac's faith was, but he was thinking about disobeying God and going down to Egypt. It's interesting, throughout Scripture, going to Egypt was this picture of disobeying God. It was like going back to the world. It was like instead of following the Lord, you're going to do your own thing in your own way. Throughout Scripture, we see this theme of people running from God, trying to go to Egypt. And so there's this huge uh, famine in the land. The world that they were living in at the time is broken. Sound familiar? I mean, this is not a good time in the land. There's a huge famine that is happening. People are wondering how they're going to provide for their families, wondering how they're going to eat, where their next meal is going to come from. I mean, this is a terrifying time in their world. This great famine is there. And so the Lord renews his promise with Isaac. He says, don't don't you forget that I have my hand over you, that I care for you, that I'm there for you, that I am powerful and i am mighty isaac i am going to bless you so you think isaac's next move would be what to worship god to be thankful to follow what god has for him right here's isaac's next move when the man had left that place uh, when the men of that place asked him about his wife he said she's my sister because he was afraid to say, because he was afraid to say she's my wife, he thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, "She is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister?" Isaac answered him, "Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her." Then Abimelech said, what, th- what this is you've done to us. One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people. Anyone who molest this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So Isaac doesn't quite worship the Lord, does he? After hearing about the renewed promise, there's a famine in the land, but he knows God is with him. His next move is to do exactly what his father Abraham did. It's deja vu all over again, right? Abraham had said uh, to Abimelech, and it's a different Abimelech. This would would have been like a title-like pharaoh. But he said to that leader at the time, He said, Sarah is my sister. And now here's Isaac doing the exact same thing. After hearing about all of these promises of God and about hearing about how God is going to continue to bless him, his first move is to lie and to sin. And I'll tell you, when I'm reading this, I get so much hope. Because I think about my own life. I think about worshiping God and, and trying to follow after him and remembering all the ways that God has blessed me and God has blessed the church and God has blessed the family and what do I constantly do? Go back into sin. Go back into sin. See, I'm so thankful that the Bible is real. I'm so thankful the Bible isn't about a bunch of people that were following after God in a perfect way because I would feel really, really left out. and Maybe you would too. Isaac hears about all the blessings and he sins. He, he falls short. That's why he needs the Lord. That's why I need the Lord. That's why you need the Lord. If we had it all together and we were worshiping God on our own, we had no fears, what need would there be for Jesus? We all struggle with sin. We all fall short and that's why we need Jesus. And, and Isaac needed the Lord too. Let's continue on next couple verses here. Isaac planted crops in that land That same year, reaped a hundredfold because the Lord had blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow and he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped them, filling them up with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, you become too powerful for us. What an interesting thing. What a picture of the gospel. So here's Isaac being reminded of all the blessings that he has. Then he immediately goes and sins and says, My wife is my sister because I don't trust in the Lord enough. And then the Lord's response to him is what? Punishment? Is it? No, it's blessing. That's weird. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, it's a picture of the gospel. You see, Isaac isn't getting what he deserves. And when we trust in Jesus, we don't get what we deserve. What we deserve for our sin is punishment. What we, get for, what we deserve for our sin is, is judgment from a holy, holy, and perfect, and awesome God. But what we receive is grace, and mercy, and love. I and mean, that's pretty awesome, right? That's pretty awesome. That we don't get what we deserve. And what an amazing picture of the gospel here. It's not because of Isaac's goodness. It's not because he earned it. It's because of God's grace in his life and for us too. It's for the grace that we are saved through faith. It's not by works so that no man can boast. And I think that's so I think that's so perfect because we shouldn't boast in the works that we do. We should only boast in the works of the cross. All right, we continue on here with um, some talk here about wells. I'm sure you're thrilled to learn about that. Isaac's servant dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsman and said, "'The water is ours.'" So he named that well Esek because they disputed him. Then he dug another well because he quarreled over that one too. And he named it Sitna. And he moved on there and dug another well and no one quarreled over it. So he named it Rehoboth. Now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. I mean, this is interesting, right? So they're disputing him. They're seeing how powerful he's becoming. And so they're trying to take over some of his family line stuff. And so he just starts naming wells. Like, that one's mine. That one's mine. That one's- I'm going to name it that. And they keep taking it more and more and more. And so this, this quarreling continues. This fighting back and forth uh, continues. And then we see the Lord reminding Isaac again, don't worry about this. I know we're in the midst of the famine, but remember I just blessed you with so much. Now the Philistines are coming after your stuff. Listen, don't don't worry. I'm going to bless you in this. From there, he went up to Beersheba. That night, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid or do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, where he pitched a tent and his servants dug a well. I mean, what an amazing, awesome picture of God's goodness! Is that. You're in the midst of a famine, and think about it in your own situation. In the midst of a world where there's lots of chaos, where maybe things are not going right. And I don't know all your individual situations, but maybe there's some things that you're fearing. Maybe there's some things that aren't going right in your world. And the Lord is reminding of the blessings that he's given you. And maybe some more attacks come. Some more things uh, happen in your life. And you're, again, being fearful, being afraid. And the Lord then reminds Isaac and reminds us, do not be afraid. Do not fear, for I am with you and it's such an amazing reminder that there's a holy holy amazing god that's the alpha and the omega he's been here from the beginning he's going to be here to the end and he sees everything that's going on he's control over all things he has sovereignty over all things and he sees you in your situation and he tells you do not fear for i am with you and so you think that after he says, do not fear while I am with you, that that would be the end of the troubles. No, that's, that's not the case in his life and not the case in our lives. So listen what happens after that. Meanwhile, Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzalath, his personal advisor, and Fikol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked him, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord is with you. So we said, we ought... There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between you and us. Let's make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Just as we did not molest you, but we always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and they drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they left in peace. That day, Isaac's servants came and told them about the well they had dug. They said, we found water. He called it Sheba. To this day, and the name of the town, has been Beersheba. So he is reminded by the Lord that he's going to be blessed. And now here come the Philistine leaders again. He's thinking, oh boy, what is going on here? But this time they come in peace. And they make an agreement together. And you see the Lord continue to pour out his blessing upon them. And then the last couple of verses here, really setting up the next chapter and the chapter after that. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Berai, the Hittite, also Bathmath, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a great source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. That's interesting, isn't it? Here they name the daughters-in-law and say they were a great source of grief. This is a whole other sermon for another day. But all I have to say is, for your kids, just pray for their spouses. Okay? Just pray for their spouses. So do not fear. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. You notice that the Lord doesn't say in Scripture, do not be afraid because nothing bad will happen. It doesn't doesn't say that. But I think that's sometimes the picture that the American church gives, that if you follow Jesus, that there isn't going to be any issues, that there isn't going to be anything you're going to have to work through. It's all going to be amazing. But we see in Scripture, we see here in Isaac's own life, that he says, God reminds him over and over and over, do not fear, for I am with you. But there are still troubles that come. I mean, why is that? I mean, why did God call Isaac's family into the land that he knew there was going to be a famine in? Isn't that interesting? He knew there was going to be a famine there. God knew that. It didn't surprise him. And he called his people to go to that land. Why, Why would he do that? Well, I believe that in the testing, in the famine, that's where God really grows our faith. That's where we're built up in our faith. And the reason why I know that is that all the time, in 18 years of doing formal professional ministry, people call up me or call up one of the staff members or call up their small group leader and ask for prayer when things are going tough. You know what no one has ever done in 18 years of ministry? Called me up and said, hey, Pastor Andy, I just want to let you know, my life is great. My life is awesome. Will you just praise God with me? N- no one ever does that. Because I think it's, uh, it's so much easier to run to God in the famine than it is in the feast. When things are going really well, at least I know how it is for me, sometimes it's easy for me to forget about God. That I got this all together. But in the famine, in the trial, when we have fears, we can have a tendency to run to God, to trust in God. And God wants us to trust in him. And so sometimes he brings us through a famine, just like he brought Isaac through a famine. And he doesn't leave us there typically, but he wants us to run to him, that he is our shepherd that we don't have to fear because he is the good shepherd in Psalm 23 it says that doesn't it David is talking about the good shepherd and and I I want to read that in a second but before I do that I want you to, to to think about maybe someone in your neighborhood maybe someone in your family or maybe yourself you have a really really spoiled dog do you know about these dogs these dogs that are super spoiled, they, have, they sit at the dinner table. I think I have a picture of one of those dogs up there, yeah. And uh, his name is spelt like that. That's Fido. That's the uh, French spelling of, of, of Fido. And they're, they're treated so well, they're treated better than humans, right? They get gourmet meals, and they even have little clothes with their name on it. And, man, it's... Uh, would be awesome to be that dog, right? Well, even though we see dogs like that in our neighborhood, and our family, maybe we, uh, they get a little bit annoying. But listen, if, if you were a dog, would you rather be Fido? Or would you rather be a dog that hardly ever gets walked, doesn't get paid attention to? And which one would it be? Who wants to be Fido, right? Well, in Scripture, it says that we have an owner. We have a shepherd that is... Amazing that he loves us and he cares for us and he pours down blessings on us and we can trust in him. Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in path of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. See, even though we go through things in our life that are fearful, things that make us doubt in our faith, we don't know exactly what to do, we don't know where to turn. The Lord is my shepherd that he is going to take care of things. He is in control. And that doesn't mean that things are always going to work out the way that we think they're going to work out. It certainly didn't with Abraham. It certainly didn't with Isaac. It certainly didn't with most people in Scripture. And it certainly doesn't with us. But we don't have to fear because we have a God. We have a Lord that loves us dearly, who is perfect, who sees the whole picture. Do not fear, for I am am with you it's interesting that scripture in psalm 23 it says as i walk through the valley of the shadow of death what i see people all the time trying to avoid is the valley they're on a mountaintop and they don't want to go down into the valley they just want to be airlifted from mountaintop to mountaintop right we don't want to have the valley experience but you know down in the valley that's that's where the water is that's where the refreshing is. And sometimes we have to go down into those valleys to be restored and to be renewed. So I think we can fall off too close very easily. We can say, well, in Scripture it says that you shouldn't fear at all. So I'm going to make sure that I eliminate all fear from my life, all anxiety from my life. That's not real realistic, is it? What it ends up doing is it leads to guilt guilt. It leads to things that are not from the Lord because we end up fearing and we end up being anxious. Then we question our faith. But then the other cliff that we fall off of is that we just fear everything. and And we think that there is no hope. Well, in Jesus, there's a third way. Do not fear, for I am with you. Not do not fear because you got this. Not do not fear because you can work your way out of it. Not do not fear because you're clever enough to figure a way to work through your troubles. No, do not fear for I am with you. And so how do we remind ourselves to do not fear for I am with you? How do we avoid this pattern of trying to do things on our own and trying to work our way out of fear and out of anxiety? Well, I believe what we have to do is we have to preach the gospel and so I want you to preach the gospel this week. And so this morning, we're going to take a couple of minutes and preach the gospel to ourselves this week. Because it's the only way that we're going to remember to do not fear. We have these little booklets. And I want to go through this quickly because I believe that it's great to preach the gospel to ourselves. And it's also great to preach it to others. And so we have these books in the back on the tables. If you want to grab them on the way out for yourself or someone else, you can grab one of those. It says in the beginning, it says, do you know for sure? Do you know for sure that you have eternal life? If I were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? What would you say? To have eternal life, you need to know that there is bad news. That Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the bad news is that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short. That would stink if that was the end of the story, wouldn't it? But it's not. There's good news of of Scripture. The good news is Jesus. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. And 1 Corinthians 15 it says, For I delivered you as first importance what I received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He offers us the free gift of eternal life. Our part is to believe. Our part is to receive that gift by faith. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he, only, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life that we admit that we're sinners, we admit that we have fears, we admit that we have troubles, we admit that we have, we have problems, just like Isaac did, just like I do. We have issues, we have problems, we need to admit that to Jesus. And then believe in him that he died and rose from the dead. And then commit our lives to him as Lord. Does that make sense to you? I mean, that's the most important question. Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? If you like to do that right now, whether you're at home or here in person, I want to pray this prayer over you before I finish my message. Lord Jesus, you can say this prayer with me if you want to accept him as, as Lord and Savior and have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person that you want me to be. Amen. If you did that for the first time, please let someone know about it. You can uh, mark it on your card. You can write in the comment online. We'd love to know that you put your faith in Christ. we love to celebrate with you. And if you have put your faith in Christ, maybe, just maybe, there were some of you thinking, oh, here's the gospel part. I've heard this before. I'm going to just check out for the next few minutes. If that, if that was you, I want you to be reminded that the only way that you can overcome your fears is the gospel. The only thing that you can do to remember that God is in control is remembering the gospel. The only way that you can keep your marriage together to be a godly parent is the gospel. The only hope that you have of being a a, a person that is uh, as good at their work is the gospel. You need the gospel to overcome all of the hardships, to overcome all of the issues in your life. So preach the gospel to yourself. I find that it's kind of a sliding scale with me in faith and fear. The more faith I have, I tend to have less fear. The more fear I have, the more I'm looking at myself instead of looking at the cross. So preach the gospel to yourself this week. Preach that God's goodness, what God has done by sending Jesus on the cross is good enough for you to overcome your fears. It's good enough for you to have joy. It's good enough for you to have peace. Preach it to yourself first. And then preach it to others. Another reason why I go through the gospel each and every week is to equip you so you can share that with others. Some of you might want to grab one of these booklets this week and just talk to someone, someone this week about the gospel. Some of you need to be listening for opportunities and praying for opportunities to be able to preach the gospel this week. Some people might be mentioning some things that they're fearful about. You can say, hey, guess what I learned at church this week? I learned do not fear, for I am with you. And you can share with them what you learned. You can share with them how you uh, are able to trust in Jesus even in the midst of fear. We need to preach the gospel to one another, That when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ that are struggling with things, instead of giving them 10 tips to overcome things or 10 ways to to do different things in their life, tell them about the gospel. Remind them about what God has done in the life of Abraham and Isaac in your own life. So preach the gospel this week. Preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to others. Preach the gospel to one another. And when you do that, When you take those steps to say, I am not going to try to figure this out on my own. I surrender this to you. When we do that, we see our faith continue to grow. So if you're in the valley right now, you're in the famine right now, I want you to take a step this week and praise God. Because I believe you're in a spot where you can grow the most in your faith. Watch God move in your life. It's not going to be the way that you expect it. It's going to be something entirely different. God is in control. God is holy. Do not fear, for I am with you. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful that when we fear, we can come to you. We can be reminded that you are with us. So many times in Scripture, there were people that were fearful. There were people that were in situations that it seemed like you weren't in control. But every single time you came through, you did not forget your promises. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be delivered out of our famine. It doesn't mean we're going to be delivered out of our trouble. But it does mean that you're on your throne and you control everything that comes to pass. Lord, I pray that we would trust in you this week, that we wouldn't try to figure our way out of our fears. But we would lean into you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.